Hi, thanks for checking out this message from our River Valley Church family here in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. For more messages, be sure to check out our other podcasts. For more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Hey, good morning, River Valley Church. This is the part I, I always hate to interrupt because we ask you to like go across the aisle and around the room and hug and fellowship, and then Pastor Rudely comes over and interrupts you. Um, but hey, if you, don't, if you don't know me yet, if we haven't met, I'm Joe. Um, that's the introduction there. Um, and um, and uh, I love River Valley Church. I love it here. I, I say this every time, not just as a thing to say, but you know, if we lived here, this would be our church. I mean, if you let us come here, this, this is where we would come. Um, I'd have to compete with Chris because I, I like to play the drums, but he's better than I am, so I'd have to try to raise the bar and drum for you or something. But uh, love it here. Um, so so grateful to get to come and be here. And I, I always look forward to these moments, and, and, uh, and especially right at the end of your, um, not the end, uh, right at the, the next step of your 21 days of prayer and fasting, because hopefully today is not the end. Uh, hopefully it's just the new beginning of, of some new things in your life that God has been cultivating for 21 days, uh, and, it, and it doesn't stop on day 22. Day 22 just means, yes, we did it, and we're moving on to the next thing. And what a cool thing to get to be here for this, uh, uh, for this part uh, your church family in McCall um, is doing the same thing today. Actually, we've been in 21 days of prayer and fasting, and, and uh, today they're, they're wrapping up the 21 days and getting ready for the next. And of course, it is Winter Carnival, so about 40,000 of our closest friends are visiting this week, and, uh, and it is crazy, and, um, and we don't ever complain about traffic in McCall until this week. Um, and then I come down here, and I don't complain about traffic in McCall. Um, but uh, it's so, so great to be with you, um, and I just want to say hello from our team, and of course, my lovely wife Heidi is with us, and my mom, um, and then extended family and others, and uh, I just, I love, I love coming when we have friends that live down here that come and, come and visit, and it's just a ploy for me to get them to be plugged in with River Valley Church, hint, hint, wink, wink. Um, uh, but um, I, I just I want to share a, a few things with you, and, and your, the series that you've been in um, it is just astounding. You know, it never ceases to amaze me how the same Holy Spirit is in me that's in you. Isn't that cool? And and when God is talking, you know, don't you love it when God's talking to you, or you're not so maybe you're not even sure you weren't didn't even put that much thought into it, and then you hear from someone else, you're like, oh, maybe that was God. Maybe, maybe we're on the same page. Maybe, maybe I'm not totally messed up, mostly messed up, but not totally messed up. And um, I just, I love those moments. And, uh, you know, there's, there's been a word on my heart for you guys. And I, I think I shared just a little bit last time I was here. Um, been a word on my heart for you. Um, and then come to find out this series that you've just been in, um, really exploring um, Ezekiel um, and Ezekiel 47, right? That's where you guys have been. Um, and um, talking about the, the river of God. Uh, and I just want to share a little snapshot before I move into the sermon today. Um, uh, you know, the, the, Lord, the Lord had been speaking to me a, a little bit. I got, had the opportunity to hang out with your elders um, back in the fall. 
and, uh, and shared a word with them. And then come to find out later that this is like a theme for you, for your church. And then, then you guys have been in this season. Uh, but, you know, in, in, in Ezekiel, you know, it talks about the river. And uh, there are so many things that happen uh, from this river of God that's coming from, it's coming from the throne room. And it says that it comes, it comes from the throne and it, comes, it goes out of the door and, and it says some incredible things about the life that comes and the, the life of this river. And, uh, and one of my favorite parts is, is where it talks about the depth of the river. You know, there's ankle-deep water, and there's knee-deep water, and there's waist-deep water, and then there's deep-deep water. Um, uh, but the, the, the Lord gave me a couple of specific thoughts for you that I just I, I want to share. And hopefully, uh, hopefully this, will, uh, this will challenge and encourage you. And if you're brand new um, or if you're just jumping in, I just, hey, dive in, jump right in. Even, even if you're like, I don't even know what this church is all about. This is the best church in the valley. So you should belong here. Um, and, uh, and if you think it's not the best church, then you need to come here so you can make it the best church. Um, uh, but it is. Um, but, there's, but there's a specific phrase I want to just, I want to read to you. Uh, and I've, this has been on my heart for you. Um, it's Ezekiel 47, verse 9. And it talks about this, this river that, that flows and all the life that comes with it. Uh, verse 9 says, And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the river goes, will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters go there. For they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. And I just, I just this was burning on me, and I shared it with your elders, and it, I've just continued to, to carry this, this for you, is that God has so much more for you than just the, the things that we bring before him on a Sunday morning. He has so much more for you than, than just the stuff. And, and, I, and, I, and I, totally, I, I totally get and respect, you know, we, we bring God our stuff and our needs. And this morning, uh, I just sensed that there were some things. There was some overwhelmness. In fact, I had a, when Pastor Tim got up, I felt like this word, like someone this morning was dealing with just this overwhelmness. Whether, whether it's with a physical thing or it's a, or it's a family thing or just, just kind of this emotional, just uh, this overwhelmed thing. And, and, and I felt like this morning that Jesus just wanted to come and lift that off of you. Um, and, you know, this definitely is the pr- place to come bring those things. But there is something that happens when God's people bring him their, their stuff and leave the stuff at the throne room. And then allowed the river to take them out of that place and to, to, to take them beyond their, beyond their stuff. And you know, I, the times in my life where, where I've been struggling with things, I've experienced the greatest healing when I have allowed God to move me to where other people needed to be healed where other people needed to be set free. When I was feeling the most lonely um, or, or the most alone or, the, or the, just the most overwhelmed, allowing myself to just be carried by the Holy Spirit to go and bring life where life was needed. And you know, the crazy thing is, is when you do that, you find yourself going, oh wait, my problems don't seem so big. That thing that, that I was carrying, that thing that seemed to be overwhelming me. Now, the, the, the moment I'm, I'm opening my hands up for other people, now suddenly I thought my hands were empty, and now they're full. And now I'm able to minister to someone else. And I'm not, not sure, I just, I, I just felt specifically this morning that you just need to, need to hear 
uh, that, that God loves taking care of us. But, but, when we, but when we go and take care of others and when we get outside of ourselves, um, those are really the times that the true healing sticks. But then suddenly we realize that we're not so worried about our own healing. We're not so worried about our own loneliness, our own overwhelmness, our own over things, our own things, because, because we are ca- carrying it and taking it out. Um, and there is nothing greater than bringing life that has been poured into you. And so, um, so River Valley Church, this word is for you. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there, because you go there, for they will be healed and everything will live wherever it goes. And I just, I just sense in this, during this season, this 21 days, even if you're just jumping in and you haven't been part of it, God wants you to jump in on this life. But wherever this life goes that he's putting inside of you, there is going to be life there. Um, and I don't know about you, but there are very few things in this life that are more exciting than seeing God do work and getting to be there. And seeing God heal people and restore people. And, and meanwhile, I'm going, whoa, that's amazing. So now maybe my issues aren't that impossible. Or maybe my things aren't that big of a deal. So uh, anyway, I hope, I hope that works for you. Is that okay, Pastor Tim? We okay. Well, I did anyway. So uh, Luke, Luke, Luke chapter 5, if you would open your Bibles with me. Some of you need to come visit Mountain Life Church. We scared Pastor Tim last time. Because um, then at Mountain Life, when you say open your Bible to, uh, now I'm not promoting this, and Pastor Tim might get really mad if I tell you about this. Uh, but in, in, at Mountain Life, when the pastor, the preacher says, uh, turn your Bibles to, and the chapter and verse, the whole church goes, woohoo! Because they're excited about the Word of God. And we just like freaking out the guests when they, when they come. Uh, and so last time he came, he, uh, he unknowingly said it, and they woohooed, and I'm not sure if he knew what, he, what to do with himself. Um, so, but it was awesome. It was cool. Um, we shocked him. So uh, Luke chapter 5. Okay, some of you are getting it. All right, I'm not trying to start a trend here. <laughs> Look out. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, uh, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put, out, to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. 
What a crazy story. Uh, I want to talk today about this, this, this idea of Jesus calling us out to the deeper waters. And you've been in 21 days of prayer and fasting, and you're probably already like, how much deeper could I possibly go? I need food. Or it's been 21 days, and we've been doing all of these things. Do you know that as deep as we think we are, he always has a deeper place for us? He always has something more. The scripture says that he, he transforms us, he changes us from glory to glory. Um, I'm from Homedale, so we say things like gooder. He makes us from good to gooder, and then from gooder to gooder-er-er. And then if, if you're from Homedale, you're like, we don't talk like that. I know, it's just me. But he, God it always, always has a deeper place for us. Well, I want to I dig into this encounter for just a, a, a little bit with you today, because I, I believe this is, you've been in this great series and had some great teaching, and, and I, I want to just put a little uh, uh, prophetic punctuation at the end uh, of this as you move into this next season, and I, I believe God is setting you up um, for, a deeper, for a deeper encounter. Um, but you know, so if we go back and look at this scene, so Simon Peter, the fishermen, they've been out fishing all night, uh, and they are tired. Any night shift folks? No night shift folks. Okay, well, they're all sleeping, all couple night shift folks. So at the end of the shift, you get off work. Do you want to go to church after you get off work? Be honest, you do. Okay, well, I'm not going to talk to the spiritual person over here. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, you work all, you, they, they worked all night, they worked all night, and they're trying to clean their nets, trying to get out of there. Because you know if your nets are not clean and they're dirty, when you go back to work the, ne the next night, it, you're going to have more work. You're not going to be able to spend as much time getting the work done. So they're out just trying to get it done. They're doing their paperwork, okay, for us administrative folks. Uh, they're doing their paperwork to try to get done, and they just want to go home and go to bed. And here comes this Jesus guy. And he decides that he, not, it's not enough that he's interfering like, he's right at their harbor where their boats are, and, and he brings this whole crowd of people. Um, and listen, Simon and the boys are just like, really? We've been fishing all night, and now this Jesus guy brings this crowd down, and they're getting in our way. We're just trying to clean our nets. We're just trying to be about our own business and just try to take care of our stuff. And yeah, you know what? We've been around Jesus, and his teaching is good, but doesn't he know that we've got work to do? Doesn't he know that we've got stuff? Our things, our stuff, anybody have stuff? Anybody have your things? And it takes up a lot of your time, doesn't it? And so, so they're just thinking about, we just want to get our stuff done and go about our business. And I just want to go take a nap because I'm going to have to get up later and do it all over again. And Jesus shows up. And first he says, hey, Pete, uh, can I get in your boat so I can get out and talk to the people? And so... Peter's nice, and he lets him get into the boat, and he puts out, and he's teaching the people, and, and probably thinking, okay, cool, now i got to get this guy out of my boat so I can go home, and, and here's this crowd, but if I'm rude, and I say, hey, get out of the boat, all these people are going to be upset, and who knows, and he's a good teacher, and I hear about all this stuff, so I'm just going to let him do it. So he lets him do it, and then it's not only, not only does Jesus ask to let him use his boat, but he gets done teaching. Peter's expecting, like, okay, wrap it up, take the offering, close the door, lock up church, let's just go, and let's go. We, we need to go to lunch, and we need to go home so I can take my Sunday afternoon nap. 
And instead, Jesus says, hey, Peter, launch out into the deep and cast out nets. Now, we have it right here in writing, and of course, I'm amplifying just a little bit for the sake of, of, of sermonizing, but, but Peter, who's all ready to be done, the nets are clean, and, and here's the thing, Peter's planning on going fishing that night. So for him to go out into the deep and cast his nets out, this is a sacrifice because you know he's going to have to clean his nets again before the night's fishing. So Jesus is, is, is asking him to do something that's sacrificial, and it's a little bit more work. And not to mention, and we hear it from Peter's words, Lord, we fished all night long, and we didn't catch anything. And here Jesus is setting Peter up. Now we know because all of these years later, and Pastor Tim has probably preached it, and we've heard the sermons, and we've, we've read it. All these years later, we know Jesus had something else up his sleeve. Peter had no clue that Jesus' command or Jesus' request for him to go deeper had, had nothing to do with the fish they were going to catch. It had everything to do with what was going on inside of Peter because Peter was being set up for something next. He was being set up for, for, another, for another thing. And so if you're taking notes with me, the, 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 first, the first thing that we discover from this encounter is that Jesus has a deeper encounter plan for you, usually when you least expect it. Usually when you're just going about your own business, going about doing your own thing. I'll never forget when, when God called Heidi and I to full-time well, we were always in full-time ministry, to quit our jobs, our careers, and to move to Idaho to be pastors. Um, and that's, you know, uh, it was full-time ministry then, and then after that, it was just full-time ministry, and we didn't get paid to do it. Um, or, or it was a whole lot harder, right? Um, and uh, we, didn't have, we didn't have the comfort of not being the lead pastors. I'll never forget, though, when, when, God, when God called us, my career was going great. It was awesome. We were making great money. We had a great house. And yes, we lived in California, so, you know, you could have sympathy for us. Um, but, but things were just going well. And, you know, Jesus, out of the blue, got right in the middle of our business and, and, and interrupted the good thing that we had. Anybody ever have Jesus interrupt your good thing? Or what you think? was the good thing. Uh, and of course, looking, looking back, the, the story is not quite like what we thought it was, and what we thought was good wasn't quite as good. Um, Jesus gave Peter an upgrade. We got an upgrade. Um, usually when he calls you into another thing, you're about to get an upgrade. I think, River Valley, you're about to get an upgrade. But Jesus has a deeper encounter plan. But here's some things about this encounter. The first one is that he called Peter away from the crowd. Jesus had already been teaching. Like, what else do I need to know? I went to church. I mean, why do I need to go to a small group? Why do I need to do a Bible study? Why do I need to read on my own and pray on my own? I went to church. I checked the box. I clocked in. They even, you know, some churches um, have the clock, the, you know, the, Time clock in the back. I walk in, I clocked in, and I got done. I clocked out, and woo, I'm spiritual. Um, and, you know, hey, I did it. I clocked in, I clocked out, I got my time, I got my time in. Um, and so 
hey, Jesus, I was there. I was mending my nets while you were preaching to the people. Why do you want to talk to me some more? But Jesus has a deeper encounter plan to get us away from the crowd. But as, as much as this is important and critical, and we should never stop doing this because that's what the word says, the, the times where the, the life-changing encounters happen, the deeper encounters happen when Jesus gets you on your own. And one of the things that we know about Peter, and it would be uh, a lot of fun for, to do a, a, a full-on study about Peter and all of his encounters and all of his responses to Jesus, because if you studied it before, one moment Peter is like, you know, saying, you are the son of God, and Jesus is like, Peter, the Holy Spirit told you that, and there's no way you could have known that. And the very next minute, Jesus is saying, get behind me, Satan, because Peter just did something knuckleheaded. And, and then G Jesus is, is doing something in, in incredible, telling everyone he's prophesying about what's going to happen. And Peter's like, no, that ain't going to happen, Jesus. And so here's this guy, Peter, uh, who has all of these encounters with Jesus. But you know, every time that Jesus has to deal with Peter, Jesus gets Peter away from the crowd. The very last encounter that we, that we see after Jesus is resurrected, or the very, very first one after Jesus is resurrected, P Peter and Jesus are walking along the beach. You know, the story, Peter's denied him three times. Peter's feeling lousy. What did he do? He went back fishing after he messed up. He went back to his old ways. Jesus sees them out, sees them out there and says, hey, guys, cast your net out on the other side of the boat. They had been fishing all night. Same it's a repeat of this experience. And, and Peter, um, Peter immediately goes, oh, I've heard this before. Well, they cast it out on the other side. They catch, they catch fish, realizes it's the Lord. They, go, they get back in. But, but when Jesus restores Peter, when Jesus deals with Peter, he gets him alone. And in fact, in the conversation with, with Peter along the beach, and you can look, look this up. It's in, it's in John, uh, the end of John. And Jesus, Peter even is worried about another disciple that's walking along with them. and says, well, but what about that guy? And Jesus makes a statement. You let me worry about him, paraphrasing. You have to follow me. You follow me. See, there's, there's times, and this is, the, this is one of the first recorded times where we see Jesus working with Peter on his specific the stuff, right? Because we all have our stuff, and if you don't think you have stuff, that's your stuff. And and he's working on Peter with his stuff, but the, the very first thing that Jesus does to help Peter is he gets him away from the crowd because Peter is so worried about what other people think. Peter is so worried about, about what the group is doing and what's happening with the group that Jesus intentionally gets him away to set him up for this personal encounter. You see, it's the congregational piece that is so important, but where the deep works the deeper work that Jesus gets into with us is alone, which is why it's so important for us, even when we've had 21 days of prayer and we've had all these services and have these Saturday prayer meetings, which are all amazing, it's important for us to listen because usually those are the times that Jesus will say, okay, you've, you've been doing this thing. Now, let's get away. We have something to deal with. We have something to talk about. And we, and, and we, see, um, we see with Peter um, that Peter, unlike all of us who only take one time, right? I mean, it just took God correcting you one time and then you're perfect, right? Anyone else? 
Only Pastor Tim. He's the only perfect one in the room. I don't see Emily, so she's not here to shake her head. Okay. Not that she would. But like us, Peter has all of these encounters and all these times because Peter is a work in progress. And I just, I took a little bit more time on that this morning because I feel like somebody here needs to, to hear that Jesus is not surprised that you're a work in progress. He's not surprised. He's not intimidated by the fact that you have to do some repeats. He's not afraid of your junk, of your stuff. He's not afraid of your overwhelmness. I was feeling that specifically when Pastor Tim was ministering. Um, he's, Jesus is not afraid of your overwhelmness. Um, and in fact, he already knows the plan. He, know, he knows the personal development plan that you personally need to get where you need to go. Now, we have the benefit of all of this time. This is where, where Peter is called and um, jumping ahead to, to the end that we already, where we already read, that he, this, this is where Peter and the boys get called to be Jesus' disciples. Well, and we have the benefit of knowing the whole story and, and knowing the th- mistakes that Peter makes, and then Jesus restores him. And then, and then on the day of Pentecost, when the, when the church is birthed, Peter, this guy, is the one who stands up and preaches the very first gospel message and over 3,000 people get saved. And Peter becomes the, the, the pillar of the early church, the, 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 guy, the go-to guy for Jesus of the early church. Well, Peter didn't get there by one encounter and everything was taken care of. He didn't get there on one 21 days of prayer. He had to keep repeating because he was a work in progress. But you know the best part about being a work in progress is that Jesus just cares that you're progressing. The mistake, the question, the doubt, the, all of those things don't disqualify you. Okay, so that wasn't on my notes, but let's move on. Um, next is this response. Now, Peter tells Jesus the reasons why they shouldn't go, cast, go out into deeper water and cast their nets on the other side. Is it already past time? Is it already 11.13? Okay. All right, time travel. So Peter, Peter immediately questions, he immediately questions and says, but Lord, we've already, we've already done this. We've already, you know, we've, we, we were out all night, we're mending our nests, it's over, I'm ready to go home and take a nap. But hear this response from Peter, nevertheless, at your word. See, Jesus is looking for our response to his invitation. And again, he's not intimidated by your excuses. You know, we're the only ones that disqualify ourselves with excuses. Jesus doesn't disqualify us with our excuses. He just waits for us to get over them. And you know, I think what got Peter from being a fisher of fish to fisher of men is that Jesus saw in his heart this nevertheless. He didn't have it down. He was still counting the excuses. He was still seeing the reasons why he wasn't qualified, why he wasn't good enough, why he shouldn't get a, another second chance. Any, anybody feel like you've had so many second chances that you can't call it a second chance anymore? Jesus saw that despite this 
Peter counting, counting the reasons why, he had a nevertheless in his heart. See, he's looking to see our excuses. In John chapter 5, Jesus goes to this man who's paralyzed. He's by the pool of Bethesda. Um, the man has been there his whole life, years and years and years, decades, and he's, he's been, he's been um, unwell. He's, he's paralyzed. He's, it says that he's, that he's crippled. He's not able to get up. Um, and while other people supposedly are getting healed in this place, this man is sitting there, and Jesus asks him this question, do you want to be healed? And the guy's response is not yes. His response is his reasons why he's not healed. And so he rehearses to Jesus. He says, oh, but there's nobody. It's everyone else's fault. There's no one to help get me in the pool. Um, and, and we see that he doesn't even have to get in the pool. Jesus says, get up, walk. And the, and the guy gets healed. But, but the, the issue that Jesus was dealing with with the cripple was not his lame legs. It was his lame excuses in his heart. And so Peter, in the same way, has these lame excuses. But despite his lame excuses, there was something inside of Peter that said, yeah, but nevertheless, at your word. There was something. He had a, he had a seed of faith. And you know, the good thing is, is Jesus said, all you need is a mustard seed, size, of faith, you just you just need enough to say, nevertheless, at your word, I will. Next, <laughs> Jesus deals with what we think we know. Peter, by the way, was the expert fisherman. Jesus was a carpenter. Now, if Peter wasn't as holy as us, right? Because we would never question. We would never think that we know more than Jesus, right? Peter had the experience, he had the training, and not only did he have the experience of a lifetime, he had the experience of the last 12 hours fishing and not a single fish. And so Peter is the resident expert on fishing, and here comes this carpenter preacher, hey man, your preaching's pretty good, but you probably shouldn't tell me about how to, how to do my job. And yet Jesus uses the very thing that Peter thinks he knows. And, you know, Jesus could have used so many other analogies and so many other examples, but he had to get home with Peter to let Peter know that the creator of the universe knows more about what you're an expert in than what you think you know. And sometimes we think our experiences, our education, the, our, our, the stuff that's happened to us, the things that we've tried, all of our efforts, we put so much stock in all of those things. And in one moment, Jesus says, cast your nets out on the other side. Go out to the deeper side. Try, try again. You tried it when you tried it. Now you try it when I say it. And of course, we see, that, we see the result. Not only was there fish, but there was more fish. They had to call the other boat. Their boats were sinking because, they, because the amount of cast. The issue was not with the fish. The issue was with what Peter thought he understood, with what he thought he knew. And, you know, and it's, in this, and it's in this moment that Peter is shaken. And that's our next point is Jesus does the supernatural not so that you can have a great conference and everyone talk about the cool stuff that happened. Jesus does the supernatural to shake you from what you think you know and to shake us from our, from, from, from our natural mindset 
to his supernatural mindset. And the first thing that happens is Peter falls on his face and he says, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. Why would he do that over fish? Because the fish weren't the issue. He realized that Jesus was greater than him. In that moment that Jesus did this deeper supernatural work, Peter finally saw Jesus for who he really is. And when you see Jesus for who he really is, you recognize who you're not. And all of Peter's confidence and all of his ability and everything that he had stocked on his whole life, he was a, he was a self-made man. Any self-made men in the house? He was a self-made man, and he suddenly realized that the one who makes men is far greater than any self-made man. And Peter became undone when he saw who Jesus really was. He saw him for who he was, and he recognized himself. And his response is, I'm a sinful man. And here's the incredible thing. Jesus didn't say, yeah, you're right, sinner. Get out of my boat. You're fired. Go away. You're done. You're disqualified. See, the point for Jesus is not to, to reveal our sin and our weakness for the sake of exposure. He reveals it so he can get rid of it. He reveals it so he can bring us up out of that place and bring us into the place that he's calling us to. Peter, as soon as he recognized that he's a sinful man, Jesus' next words, I've called you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what? Don't be afraid of the amount of fish. Don't be afraid of, of, of the supernatural work and catching the fish and that Jesus No, No. He said, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus says, paraphrasing, don't be afraid of your iniquity. Now, he doesn't want to leave us in it. But the fear of failure is not enough to disqualify you unless you let it disqualify you because Jesus won't. See, Jesus, Jesus' response to get away from me, I'm a sinful man, is you come, you, you used to catch fish. Now you're going to work for me. In a moment, Peter went from thinking he knew what he was doing to seeing this miracle to now suddenly being called out of the very thing that he was an expert in into something he had no clue of what to do. I think I might be talking to someone who's getting called. Number five, Jesus reveals his identity and his purpose. He uses these deeper moments to reveal where we've been versus where he has for us. He uses, the, he uses these moments to bring us to a place of recognizing all of our self-sufficiency, all of our knowledge, all of our experiences, all of these things. Um, let me just put it like this real quick. I need to wrap up and turn it over to Pastor Tim. <clears throat> We were having a conversation, we've been in the series on talking about God's word, the scripture, and I posed this question. What if my experience, or what I see in culture, or especially, what if what I feel doesn't line up with what the Bible says? Which is wrong? What if how I'm feeling at the moment doesn't line up with what Jesus is telling me? Who's wrong? 
See, we live in this culture right now where our experience, our knowledge, especially what I feel, becomes our doctrine. It becomes our God. It becomes what, what we hold to higher than anything else. So if what I'm feeling, what, if what I'm experiencing with, with, with what's around me that seems so real, with what I think I know, if it contradicts the Bible, well, then I must need to, contra- I must need to reject Jesus and his word. I must need to reject this, this God thing because it doesn't line up with what I feel. Well, here's a perfect example. Peter thought he knew. But yet, he had a nevertheless in his heart. See, I don't have to know everything. I just have to know he's right. And if I know he's right, then when my experience, what I hear, what someone says, or especially young people, what I feel, what I feel, because it's all about what you feel, right? Well, I feel offended. Well, I feel, I feel, listen, get over it, buttercup. Jesus, listen, and and here's the thing. What we feel will always betray us, and it will always change. What I felt when I was 14 was not the same as what I feel when I'm (laughs) 50-something. Things hurt way more than they used to. But But what I know is this, is that when we put our trust in his word, his word is always right. Peter, fortunately, had enough nevertheless in his spirit to say, Lord, ah, in this boat, I'm the captain. I outrank you. I have all these years of fishing. I've got all the right lures. I've I've watched, I read Field and Stream. I watch all the fishing channels. I've got all this. Lord, I know, I know this stuff. And I've experienced all of these things. And don't you know I went to Bible college? I mean, fishing college? Don't you, know, don't you know that we've tried this before, but we tried 21 days of prayer before? I mean, we did it back in the fall, right? And we've, we've done all of these things before. And then Jesus says something that goes against what we think we know. All it takes is a nevertheless. One nevertheless took him from operating in a place where, here, by the way, he was the expert, but he still hadn't caught any fish. In all of his best effort, he still wasn't being successful. See, sometimes we'll take all of our experience and we'll, and we'll fall into this deceptive thing where, where we, we think we know we've got it down and, and what we're doing is not working anyway. Like we find comfort in our failure. We find comfort in doing the same old things that never worked. And then Jesus simply comes and says, put out into this deeper place. Come out into this place. You see, the deeper place isn't about you achieving some higher form of weirdness and walking around just floating on cloud night. No, the, the deeper place is going deep enough for Jesus to do the deep work where it counts. And see, this deep work where it counted, he just needed Peter to get from being the self-sufficient fisherman to being the Jesus-reliant fisher of men. Without that nevertheless, we wouldn't even be reading about Peter today. 
we wouldn't, we wouldn't look the, at the church the same way that we look today because this, this one nevertheless was the, the difference in it all. So would you stand to your feet? Yeah, this, this word has been on my heart for you uh, for a while. <clears throat> you know, God is pleased. And he loves, he loves your heart and your servant attitude and your relationship. And he loves what you've done during this season of these 21 days. And, you know, the, and here's the charge for all of us is that so many of these things could be like Peter, they become mechanical. Peter knew how to fish and yet wasn't, fish, wasn't catching fish. So many times it can just become something where we go through the motions or we go through it and we get a little, you know, we catch a minnow here and there or we have a little bit of breakthrough or we just think the point was fishing, right? That's what I hear people say when I don't catch fish. They say, oh, the point's not catching fish. The point is being out there and fishing. No, I want to catch fish. We tend to sometimes get that same kind of that same kind of attitude, or we've tried it, we've done it, and I feel like this word specifically. This morning, there's someone you you feel like you have failed in the season because you tried it, you went through the motions, you came to the meetings, you did the prayer, you even tried fasting, and you don't feel like you accomplished anything. Here's the point. You weren't supposed to accomplish anything. You were supposed to just simply respond to Jesus' call to a deeper place. And sometimes, sometimes, the deeper encounter doesn't happen during the 21 days. In fact, most of the time, it doesn't. This season has just caused you to posture yourself to see your need for him to take you to a deeper place. You just bow your head and close your eyes, and I just want to pray this prophetically over you. Jesus, we recognize you're calling us to a deeper place. Lord, we recognize that you are calling us beyond what we know, what we experience, what we feel, what our emotions are telling us, what social media is telling us, what uh, everything else is telling us. Lord, would you put a nevertheless in our heart today? Lord, I think I know. Lord, I've tried this. Lord, I've been here before. Lord, I've made the effort. Lord, I've gone to the counseling. Lord, I've done the prayer. Lord, I've, I've talked to pastor. Lord, I've done the study. And here I am in the same place. I fished all night and my nets were empty. But nevertheless, at your word. Lord, would you give us the nevertheless in our spirit. God, that we would be in a place where regardless of what we see or feel or sense, what our emotions are doing, what our hormones are doing, what our bodies are doing, would you put us in a place, God, of recognizing that you are the one who commands the fish in the net in the first place. That you are the one that, that knows all things. We're the expert of nothing. You are the creator of all, of all of it. So God, I just pray that today, Lord, that you would just settle 
this in us. And God, in this place, in the River Valley family, Lord, would you take us into deeper waters so that you could do the deeper work? In Jesus' name. And one last thing just to share with you is that deeper water means bigger fish. And in order to sustain the bigger fish, there's got to be the deeper work. The bigger fish are coming. Thanks again for listening to this message from River Valley Church. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by it? Make sure to share it with them this week. Again, for more content from us, please check out our website at rivervalleyboise.com.